Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And it was a short series, and the Rockies did very little, but I've still got three ups and three downs for you. I thought about, because they did hardly anything, reaching into the minors and talking about that a little bit today, but decided, no, let's do that on a separate podcast so I can give it the time it deserves and really just maybe pretty quickly here go over how not great the two games set in LA was. They lost the first game 14 to 3 and the second game 5 to 2. They moved to 2 and 4 on the season and after winning their first couple of ball games against the San Diego Padres are now on a four game losing streak as they come back home to begin their Coors Field series against the lowly Washington Nationals. So, what are the ups and downs? Let's begin with downs because that's the bigger one. And and we've got to start again with the starting pitching, right? This is the big thing. This is what we know is going to be the bugaboo, which has apparently become my word for this particular way. It feels very much like a bugaboo, isn't it? The last three spots of the, the Rockies rotation. There are maybe some more adult words that we could use, but here on this show, let's let's go with that because it's fun to say. But it, it bugabooed in this one again. Now, Feltner was okay for a little while, and I've made this argument before, and it bears repeating after a performance like this, that I do think there could be a great future for Ryan Feltner as a bullpen guy. Now, the Rockies need to give him every chance to succeed as a rotation guy and should leave him in the rotation for most, if not all, of this season anyway, despite my belief of that. One, because I I still think they've got a a pretty decent bullpen and, and a decent amount of depth there as well, so they don't desperately need him in the pen right now. And because if it can work out, it's still the best scenario to have him as a starter. But the issues that I have long seen in his profile bore out pretty much exactly in this game. He's got good stuff, right? And we saw it early in the game. We saw him striking out the side. I think it was the second or the third inning. Ended up with seven strikeouts against a really good team. Now they do it is kind of been their mantra for the last few years, the Dodgers, that they strike out a lot, but they walk a lot and they hit a lot of home runs. And that's what we saw in this two game set, right? Of course, the big thing that jumps out on the stat sheet of 4.2 innings pitched, five earned runs, seven strikeouts is the five walks. Now, I thought it was really interesting the way I heard uh, the more established media and, and by established media, I mean, literally the people calling the games how very frustrated Jack Corrigan, Drew Goodman, who are guys I've argued with about this very topic uh, privately. Actually, I'm not sure Goodman and I ever did on the podcast, but I've, as most of you know, I've been a long time advocate, now a, a seven or eight year long advocate for the electronic strike zone. And it's really interesting to me to see other people when they come around. A lot of people have on it. And there was a moment in this game, a very key missed strike three that could have ended that inning before the Dodgers went on to score seven runs. Now, I I think they had already scored a couple, but it wouldn't have gotten completely out of hand. And it would absolutely have been called a strike by uh, a a working, you know, electronic strike zone. But also, you can't walk five Dodgers and win the baseball game. Uh, You can't, you can't, you know, uh, and then there is, you know, serving up the home run is going to happen. 
Uh, only one for Feltner, which, you know, on average, uh, especially based on, like, innings pitched or whatever, whatever you, you basically everyone who pitched uh, the last couple of days for the Rockies gave up a home run to a Dodger, at least one. Uh, and I'll talk about Marquez in a second. But just, yeah, that I just don't think that Feltner quite has the, they use the word pitchability, which is basically an all-encompassing term for, understanding sequencing but also having the ability to hit the edges with consistency to stay out of the middle of the plate while also still throwing strikes and having a basic understanding of how to read hitters right what they're on what they're not on uh, what's going to work in any given situation and so there's a lot that goes into pitching of course beyond just having a fastball that can get up to 97 with some pretty good movement and a slider with pretty good movement you know that, that can fool guys and Feltner has both of those things but I just see a consistent inability to get through the lineup a third time I saw it all throughout last season and I don't know that there's just enough in the arsenal in the repertoire for him to be able to figure that out uh, against guys at this level so like I said I see a future reliever in him which is part of the reason why it's going to be difficult for the Rockies to outperform their expectations this year because he does need to pitch uh, they do need to find out, and it's just going to hold them back. You know, it, like I've said, going into the season, Urania and Feltner, guys, I just really don't have a lot of faith in. And then Gomber is a big, gigantic question mark, and that's why I've got him at 72 wins. All right, let's do an up before I've depressed you too much and go to the second game and talk about the bullpen. This is... My biggest up from this series, yeah, again, you're kind of, you're, you're reaching and you're stretching, right? Because there wasn't a lot to get excited about. That said, in the second game, uh, Brad Hand took over for Marquez after his 5.1 innings pitched. Uh, went So, pitched the rest of that inning. Did walk a guy, but issued a strikeout. Um, all's well there. Justin Lawrence continues to look good. Pitched uh, an inning with no hits and no runs. Did walk a guy, but one strikeout. And then Pierce Johnson did give up a run uh, and walked a guy. One run, one hit, but he also struck out the side. Three Ks, uh, so you're seeing the dominant stuff there. You can't expect guys to be perfect. Nobody's going to have an ERA of zero at the end of the year. You come into that situation, your team already down several runs. You're just trying to throw strikes, get outs, and get it to the top of the ninth there for the chance of any potential comeback, which actually the Rockies... Had a chance, one big hit there in the top of the ninth, and they could have maybe stolen a game there despite how terrible they played, but they didn't. So they didn't, <laughs> and, and that's how that goes. But yeah, that is that's your big up from the two game set, folks. That's that's the number one positive that I have for you out of the two games they played in Los Angeles against the Dodgers is that in the second game, the three guys who came out of the bullpen were all right. <laughs> sorry all right back over to the minus side sorry this is just how it goes right these are how the games happened and i've got to go back to the first game we're sticking with the bullpen but uh jake bird and connor siebold really got knocked around a lot and i'll add to this down you know the, this game was tied at 4-4 when jake bird came in and i was surprised that bud black went to him in that situation and again, this is not the kind of year where I need to microanalyze the manager's bullpen decisions, right? It just, Bud Black's only going to be able to do so much to manage this team into extra wins. 
if that is even indeed the goal, because if it was, I felt like there were a lot of other guys that would have made sense in that situation. Now, I could be reading this wrong, but my read of it was that Jake Bird would not have been on this roster if Daniel Bard was. So in other words, he's basically the ninth guy on your bullpen depth chart, right? He's he's not even in your top eight, which would make the team. He's just there right now because no Bard. And so while I thought he acquitted himself well in his first appearance on the season, while I'm very actually high on Jake Bird's potential to be, the, the fact that he's part of their depth is one of the reasons why I'm so positive on the bullpen. But I just thought it was a weird spot for him. Maybe it was a challenge thing. Maybe it was, hey, kid, because, you know, if you're going to go back to AAA in a couple of weeks, whenever Bard comes back, they want him to get experience now. They want him to understand these are the types of lineups we want you to be able to compete with in the future. If it really was a learning moment for Jake Bird, I'm actually perfectly cool with that. That's that's great, actually. That, that would be a good sign for things to come this year. But... The Rockies have been playing it like they intend to try to compete for as long as they can at the very least, right? Try to win as many games and see what happens. And, you know, as much as it was a 13-4 ball game at the end, like I said, seven runs scored. The, the game was won right there in that inning. No doubt about it, right? Especially because after that, then you do have to turn it over to your minus side guys. And Siebold, you know, gives up four runs, but does go three innings, which is kind of what your minus side, eat up some innings guy is expected to do, right? Get knocked around maybe a little bit, but get through the innings, get the outs. So Siebold is a part of this down, but because it's an ugly stat line, but at the very least, you're like, well, uh, at least he got through the innings. Um, Jake Bird, obviously very, 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 very struggled, (laughs) Uh, managed to record one out and gave up four earned runs. And that's tough because I do think that, you know, you go with maybe a more dynamic pitcher in that spot, whether it be Lamette or Lawrence or whoever you got, one of the lefties. I don't know exactly what the the matchups were, you know, but maybe they just like the matchups. Like I said, maybe they they really were challenging Jake Bird. I'm not going to overanalyze that one call at this point in the season because it's not going to matter all that much. But I did, at the moment, I was surprised by it. I was like, really? Bird in this spot? I would have thought, hmm, okay. And then it really didn't go well. And you go, well, yeah, it was kind of tough to ask the, the, to put it bluntly, the last guy in the bullpen to come into that inning that was already kind of getting out of hand, right? So anyway, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, let me give you another up. And I've got, and this isn't even really from this two games set. Uh, Bryant did get one hit. Charlie didn't really do anything, but I'm just going to add that Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant are both hitting over 300 at this point in the season. Uh, It's not a huge thing. and maybe doesn't mean much of anything, but uh, you know, the veteran guys uh, with Blackman, Bryant and Crone, uh, you know, Crone did go quiet in this series, which little sad. It was fun watching him hit in San Diego, uh, and hopefully he doesn't lose too much of it with the day off and then change of environment. But the veterans at least are are hitting well, and that's been something. Uh, and Chris Bryant in particular. I, I guess maybe what this up should be is Chris Bryant has played in all the games so far. <laughs> Just, you know, steady, 
Steady Chris Bryant is what you want to see. And and that's not even just about this season, right? That That is one of the few things where you've got a veteran, sure, and a veteran performing well for this Rockies team, you know, in a vacuum, that means nothing. But Chris Bryant, as you all well know, is signed for the next six years. And so he just needs to get right and be well for him to be able to lead the next version of this team in any kind of meaningful way. And so it's been nice to see him out there just kind of looking himself, right? Uh, I'm going to give you the last up I've got here now and then go back to my my final down, which is where we have to end when they play like this. So here's my my final up for you. Are you ready? This is my my of the three things that I could pull out of this two-game set against the Dodgers. I have for you that Elaris Montero hit an RBI double. That's it. Uh, you know, he, he did, and it was good. Uh, it was great. And anytime he does a good thing, anytime he or Tovar do a good thing, it's it's good news for Rockies fans, and it's worth noting. Uh, you know, of course, you'd, it'd be a lot more fun if it was he hit a couple of doubles or a double and a homer, or he, he continues to show the power, do the, and he's been fine, right? Montero hasn't looked like, a total breakout guy yet, but it's very, very early. And Tovar hasn't looked like a rookie of the year yet, but it's very, very early. And in a way, that's almost better, I think, for these young players to... You don't want them coming out super, super cold at all. That can be a confidence destroyer. That can prompt conversations of, do you got to send this guy back to AAA? All of this stuff, right? And you don't want that. And neither Montero or Tovar has looked lost, Right. They even in that bats where they're not producing good results, they're mostly hanging in there. A couple of three pitch strikeouts, I think, for Montero, but for the most part, I think actually only one. Um, they're competitive at bats. They're putting the ball in play. Montero does have some extra base hits already. Does have the homer in San Diego, and so it's almost better to be that kind of steady and then grow into it. And then when you come out and you're super super hot. You know, sometimes that works out really, really well, but there can be an inevitable crash for younger players sometimes when the league adjusts to you and you're kind of setting these expectations that you're going to get a hit every game or something like that. So nice and steady from those guys, and that's okay. On the final down, though, I do have just a general lack of offense. Really no hitting in this series from... The Rockies and the Dodgers have great pitching, obviously, uh, you know, and road stuff is almost always a factor, though they haven't played at Coors yet. And it almost always becomes a bigger factor once you have uh, that stadium is a it's a hitter's ball or I'm sorry, it's a pitcher's ballpark, obviously. And OK, all of the, those caveats. But I was hoping to see uh, a more competitive team offense out of the Rockies this year. Because they have carried some of these professional guys, and especially, and by professional guys, I mean like Profar, Moustakis, uh, in addition to Crone, Blackman, Bryant. Those are all guys who should be able to give you a good veteran yet bat, right? And do all those things. And then you've got Montero and Tovar, the guys who are figuring it out a little bit more, right? With Ryan McMahon kind of right in between there of like having veteran experience, but still being young enough and 
I think we all agree that there's potentially more in there, but he, he's got to prove it. And he's done some interesting things. Like he had a couple of walks in the first game. He had a home run in San Diego. So there's like moments here, but so far uh, we just haven't seen quite as dynamic an offense as I thought we might. Obviously the first couple of games in San Diego were great, but since then just gone pretty quiet offensively. Uh, and so that's my big down for the Colorado Rockies there. Like I said, it's just a two-game set. So, uh, and in a place that has, of course, been uh, a house of horrors, an absolute nightmare for the Colorado Rockies, really throughout their entire existence. Certainly, you know, lately in the most recent couple of versions of the team, though, we're going to have to end up having an interesting conversation about where we draw the line between the previous era, right? The Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and obviously Charlie Blackman era, though Charlie Blackman still being on the team, right, makes it a little bit complicated, difficult to say, where do we draw that line uh, into this new era? But clearly the Rockies are now on to a new era. We don't know exactly what's going to define that era yet, right? We had the Cargo and Tulo era, and before that you had the, uh, you know, the Rocktober guys, and when they were Todd and the Toddlers or Generation R or whatever you wanted to call them. There were the Blake Street Bombers era, right? They all end up being defined by something. And I think what's really exciting for me at this time, despite the fact that I do not expect the Rockies to be competitive at all this season, and people keep asking me this question, like, how can you be so excited to watch this team this year? And, and I got to be frank with you folks, in a way that I really wasn't last year. It, it, you know, it was t- it was a grind. They were pretty brutal to watch and there wasn't a ton to hope for until the second half and guys like Tolia started showing up and things like that. But it is this question of what is going to come to define this next era. It's going to be some of these new guys. And I see a lot of people frustrated. Like I said, tomorrow or the next day, I'm going to talk about Nolan Jones and Tolia and what's going on down in Albuquerque and how ridiculous the Hartford Yard Goats lineup and what roster really across the board is we're going to talk about that and there's going to have to be a lot more minor league conversation this year and I get some people are frustrated that some of the most exciting guys are quote stuck in the minors right now but they're not stuck in the minors they're developing in the minors they're growing and getting better in the minors and ultimately I think it's going to be better for this franchise in the long run and you know, I think we're going to see Nolan Jones before too long, but you got to do it for a couple of weeks. You got to do it for a month. As I've said a few times, and it's worth repeating, the most important skill in baseball that isn't, you know, that we don't really measure with any of these statistics, that isn't a batting average or hitting a bunch of home runs, great defense, like it's consistency. It's one thing to be able to, you know, hit a home run off a triple A guy. And quite another to be able to put together a competitive at-bat against the likes of Shane Bieber, Jacob DeGrom, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, you know, the, the types of quality pitching that you're going to see at the big league level. And so I'm excited and clamoring for the next generation as well. Not just the Star Trek show, but the Rockies, <laughs> the next generation. But slow and steady often wins the race. And the Rockies can afford to pace themselves here. In the meantime, everyone get excited for opening day. The Rockies have an opponent they should be able to handle as it works out. What do you know? Kyle Freeland should be set to go. It's just amazing how it works out like that, isn't it? Uh, The Denver kid. 
pitching the home opener in Denver once again. I know he gets amped for those moments. I know the crowd gets amped for him and the ball club, of course, on opening day. Going to be a little bit strange having it on a Thursday. I'm curious to see what the crowd around the ballpark is going to look like. I'll probably just head out there and, and be around kind of all day. So if you're in the area, tweet at me and let me know. I'll see if I can come and find you. Uh, I'll just be around checking out all of the happenings. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go in and do some of the pregame stuff as well. But uh, but just between you and me, it is one of the least productive days to be a, a regular beat reporter at the ballpark because there's so many TV cameras and so many, there's so much extra media that isn't usually there. And it's kind of dominated by a lot of big picture, vague questions and vibes stuff and how you feeling and crowd and what do you think of the team this year? And just, you know, stuff like that. And it's not really the day for me to walk in and be like, so, buddy, this pitcher has a really wicked lefty slider from that angle. You know, what do guys like Charlie Blackman and Ryan McMahon need to do today to hang in on that? You know, it's just not the day for that. <laughs> you, know? you know, buddy, we've seen in the shift now that some of these hitters who are putting the ball on the ground have a little bit more speed. The batting averages are going up. How do you think you can take advantage? Of, you know, not, not the question for opening day. And so I'll be around. I'll be hanging out. I'll, I'll go down and do the thing. But... Uh, if you are out and about in the Coors Field area, let me know. I'd love to swing by, say hello, take a picture if that's your thing or not, if that's also <laughs> your thing. And uh, yeah, just uh, enjoy the day. I love opening day. It's the, the best day of the, the calendar year. Uh, baseball is awesome. Baseball is rad. And even when your team is bad, I didn't mean to rhyme there. I apologize for the accidental poetry, but it's uh, there's something magical about opening day. I always get very, very excited for it. And as I've said many times, I don't think this team will be good, but I do think that they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I also think they're probably going to be pretty great at home like they were a couple of years ago. And so coming out to Coors Field, uh, you know, again, drinking a couple of beers on the party deck, if that's your thing or anywhere else. By the way, the party deck has a bad rap. Maybe that's a whole podcast I need to do in the future. I... Uh, I got to bring Michael on and we got to argue about the party deck. Our, our video editor, uh, Michael over at Mile High Sports, he, he, I, I, we got to have him on and do a series of like arguments between him and me because we both love baseball so much, but we have strong disagreements on a couple of things like the electronic strike zone, uh, the party deck. So let me know if, if y'all think you would be interested in, in hearing some of those because I think that would be a fun little mini series we could do. All right. Thank you all for listening into this episode. Let me know if there's anything that I missed that you wanted to hear about from that Dodgers series. I can't imagine there is, but if there is, let me know on Twitter uh, or you can always slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel. Other than that, just make sure you're keeping up with all the stuff on Mile High Sports, including subscribing to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Don't forget to do that, please. I'm going to have a lot more Rockies content for you on the YouTube channel throughout the year. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.